Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to head to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount. And this is the passage of scripture that as a church we are really getting into for this year. And our theme for the year for our church is to seek first. And so we're going to look at an aspect of that tonight. And before we read a portion of Matthew 6, I just want to give us a little bit of context to what else is happening in this chapter. And this is famous, you know, many people who don't even attend church or might not have much familiarity with Christianity would be aware of things like the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. They are teachings in the Bible that have really infiltrated a lot of other teachings, influenced a lot of other philosophies, uh, have impacted pop culture and different things like that. So we are reading that chapter and where I'm going to stop at and read is after some teaching from Jesus around how we pray. And we're encouraged by Jesus in this passage. It says, when you pray, don't go out into the street to be seen by everybody. Instead, pray in secret where only God can see you. Then it talks about financial giving. And Jesus teaches everybody, hey, when you give, give in secret so that no one else sees it. But God will see it. And a lot of the teaching in here is not even Jesus touching on that you give, but it's how you give. He's not touching on that you pray, it's how you pray. Jesus really in this passage is getting to the motive of a lot of key things that you and I hold dear as believers or just as people. It even talks about fasting food the spiritual practice of abstaining from food for a season as worship to God. Again, it says, don't make it obvious to be celebrated by people. Do it as something unto God, which again, only God sees. It then talks about with giving. You may be aware of this scripture. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Instead, store them up in heaven. Again, where only God sees. And then we land here, Matthew 6, 28. It's going to come up on the screens. Jesus says this. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendour, he was a splendorous dude, by the way, in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, the unbelievers. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. In verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Someone say, Amen. Amen. 
Seek first. It is a journey we are going on as a church, as individuals, as a people. We want to seek God first. I want my life to reflect someone who is seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I do that through every area of my life, putting God first, making sure the motive behind what I do is for God and making sure that I'm seeking to live a life that is righteous living. And how do we seek first? Well, naturally, we, we don't seek second. <laughs> and across Scripture, the seeking of God first is encouraged and observed many times. We're going to read a couple of Scriptures really quick on this thought of seek first. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find Him if you seek Him with all your heart and with all your soul. You. Psalms 9.10, those who know your name, trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Psalms 14.2, the Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Psalm 119 verse 10, I seek you with all my heart. And this is paired with, do not let me stray from your commands. This is speaking to the part of the passage that says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness that is done through us, not straying from his commands. A pursuit of righteous living, living according to the applied word of God. Proverbs 8:17. I love those who love me and those who seek me, find me. And lastly, Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. For the young people, I nearly called called this message tonight, Fully Seek. But (laughs) I'll pick an actual title later. But listen to what this passage is encouraging you and I to do. It's saying, don't worry about your life. What an interesting statement. Imagine being there when Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount and he says, hey, don't worry about your life. You'd be like, okay. He says, don't even worry about what you eat. Okay. Don't worry about what you drink and don't worry about what you will wear. Instead, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. This passage and all of the scriptures leading up to it, listen, this is about living life for an audience of one. Your prayer, your giving, your devotion, your life choices, your pursuits are done with the motive to be for God, by the Word of God, endeavouring to not be swayed to the left or right, not to be living under comparison, not to be going after what all the pagans, what the unbelievers go after, but to live a life where it's God. This is being done even if only you see it. Because my life is for an audience of one and it is you. These passages are about a life of devotion to one. A life of devotion to God. These passages are about a life where the seeking of His kingdom and His righteousness for you and I is number one. Now 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was giving this sermon... The struggle to meet basic physical needs in life was far more real 
than it is for you and I today in Australia in 2024. That's not to say that we don't face challenges here in Australia around things like eating and clothing and providing and all those sorts of things. But you've got to understand that back then, 2,000 years ago, to say to someone, don't worry about what you eat, drink and wear, was such a challenging statement to make. They were living hand to mouth. They didn't have many assets at all. Their energy was spent on trying to feed their family. And Jesus comes in with a, hey, don't worry. Okay. What I find equally interesting is because the Bible is the inspired Word of God, you could read this passage on any slum anywhere on the planet, confidently knowing that its eternal truth remains the same. And it applies to those people as it applied to the people Jesus was preaching to as it applies to you and I today. And what is the truth that is contained within there? It's this, if we seek God first, He will meet all of our needs. And this message is revisited by the Apostle Paul. This is a great scripture in Philippians 4 verse 10. It's going to come up on the screen for us to read. It says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Listen how challenging this verse is. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. He really didn't. He was in jail with nothing. (laughs) I am amply supplied now that I have received from uh, Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. It's a good name for somebody. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And this is a great scripture. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Let me just read that again. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, you may be thinking, God, if I don't worry about my life, what I eat and what I drink and what I wear, pretty quickly, I'll be stagnant at best, thirsty, starved, naked, and then dead. And you may ask questions like this, and you might be asking this of God right now, and you see is, God, you wouldn't allow me to go hungry for the sake of the gospel, would you? Would you? You wouldn't allow me to go through pain and hardship and lack for the sake of the gospel, would you? Would you? I don't know. Let's ask the disciples. They're all going, yes, he would. (laughs) Here's the challenge. We see that scripture in Matthew and then we see disciples encountering hunger, starvation, lack, persecution, need, being pushed to the edge of death, all the sort of stuff, the stuff I just listed off. But what we've got to make a shift in our thinking is this. It's very hard for us in the West is we've got to shift our mindset out of survival 
and into service. And this is the universal message you could say anywhere on the planet at any time in history, that as a believer, as someone who seeks God in everything that they do, you're not trying to survive, you're trying to serve. And if you are someone who is saying, God, with my life, I am trying to serve, He will supply every need that you need to do the serving He's called you to do. What challenges us in the West is that we think that an active faith is evident in a comfortable life. I would actually say the opposite is true, is that uh, that usually an active faith is evident in someone pushed to the brink, trusting God for their daily needs, but they're not thinking about survival, they're thinking about service. They're thinking about the Kingdom. We, we are called to as believers and I would say as a church at Global Heart Church that our mind and our spirit and our desires need to be higher than, than temporal concerns. What occupies our mind and what's weighing on us should not be things like our survival but our service to God. In our service to God, God is faithful to provide all that we need. Scripture is telling us that God will give us everything that we need to live under His Lordship. But you will not have everything that you need not under His Lordship. There is rest in His divine provision when we're living under His divine leadership. When we step out of Lordship, when we step out of His divine leadership, we also step out of His divine provision. Have you ever met somebody who is so godly that it makes you sick? (laughs) I was reading about this missionary in in Korea. And... (laughs) The guy was ministering in a prison and he hadn't eaten for like 40 days. And his ministry in the prison was to give food to someone and then share the gospel with them. And in his journal, he wrote, I don't have time to consider how hungry I am. I can only consider the hunger of the spirit to preach the good news. And I'm like, I just want to give up. (laughs) This guy is the man. He gets it. He gets it. What he's saying is he didn't have time to consider his stomach because he was so caught up in the commission, in the cause. Jesus is saying, don't worry about what you will eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and everything will be added to you. You know, a habit or a passion can only be given up for a greater habit or passion. I think that's very cool. That's not my quote. That's from a book. A habit or passion can only be given up for a greater habit or passion. You know, giving up the pursuit of those external things, of those desires for the temporal, of those survival desires, it only works if we, if we grab a hold of a greater desire. And this idea of seek first is for us as a church to grab a hold of a greater desire that is to seek God in everything that we do. Where once my natural inclination was to seek maybe prosperity or seek goals or seek leadership, seek influence, I'm now shifting that to seeking God. What's amazing is that as you seek God, it's amazing how things like that can come across your way. But it's also amazing how they might not, (laughs) e.g. the disciples. But we should have a much bigger pursuit in our lives than the temporal. True purpose and fulfilment is outside of ourselves, outside of our needs, and outside of the day-to-day and into the eternal, into God's kingdom. Now, we've got three points this evening, and they're quite quick, but, you know, there's a lot of things that we all share in common. And one of them is this point number one, is that everybody seeks 
So we're talking about seek first. And what we've got to remember is that everybody on the planet is seeking something. We are all seeking something first. And, you know, as a Christian, my heart and my energy is steered into wanting that to be God. But many times it's not. And everybody seeks and everybody worships. And I just read a great book with Micah called Everybody Poops. You know, some profound truths in there. But mankind, we're united by so many of the similar traits and characteristics and battles. And one of them is this, is that we all seek something. You can look at anybody on the planet and they have a desire, a direction, Uh, Some people like to say a currency. Everybody has a currency. Something of value to them that they are desiring to attain. Whether you realise it or not, you're in church tonight and there's an endeavour that you are on. And it might be to attain something. It might be a material object. It might be a relationship. It might be a position of influence. You're on an endeavour for something. Everyone has a currency. And some of those things aren't even external. Some are internal. Everybody's desiring and seeking to be loved, seeking to be known, seeking to be safe. And what you'll discover as you read the Word of God, and and for those that are Christians and are walking according to God's purpose, you'll discover that all of those pursuits, all of the healthy things that someone might endeavour to receive or achieve or attain, we find them in Christ. If you're on a journey seeking love, we find love in its purest form in a relationship with Jesus. If you're seeking safety, if you're seeking healing, if you're seeking blessing, if you're seeking wholeness, we find those things in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And much of the worry and the anxiety that we experience in life is self-inflicted because we are seeking after things that we can just receive through a pursuit in Christ. We're trying ourselves to grab a hold of something that will actually be given to us if we would pursue Christ. Max Licardo, great Christian author, he said, worry and anxiety splits our energy between today's priorities and tomorrow's problems. Matthew 6 suggests a seeking after clothing, food, needs, and it's an encouragement to direct that seeking elsewhere now. And so you've got to ask yourself, it's a bit of a challenge and we're all on different areas with this. How do I regard material things? If I am seeking, you know, assets, seeking wealth, if I'm seeking security in what I have, you've got to ask yourself, how do I regard material things? Listen to what Matthew Henry said. He's a a great Bible commentarian. I often read his Bible commentary. But he said two great things. Then I want to tell a story about him. He said two great things about that passage in Matthew 6. He said, The kingdom of God and His righteousness, we must mind heaven as our end and holiness as our way. The pagans, they are eager for the things of this world because they are strangers to a better. As believers, when we're born again, we're no longer strangers to that heavenly destination. That world that awaits us, we are passing through into that destination with God where we can't take anything. There are no assets in heaven for us to have. And what we know is that that pagan pursuit only leaves us more empty. How do you regard material things? Okay, listen to this story. So Matthew Henry, the guy that wrote those notes on the Bible commentary for Matthew chapter 6, he had his wallet stolen. And this is a famous story. He wrote a prayer about his wallet being stolen. 
And I talked before about, you know, people that are so holy that it makes you sick. Get ready. <laughs> he prays, I thank thee first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my, my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. So the story is that it was all, his, all that he had, all, this, all the, the money that he had was stolen. And the famous story goes that he prayed a prayer and he said, although they took my all, it was not much. He had a good understanding of his material possessions. Now, what you've got to understand is that everybody seeks. Everybody's on a pursuit of something. But what you've got to understand is whatever seeking you are doing, whatever pursuit you are on, it will never end. And that's true of if we're pursuing God. That pursuit will never end. We will get to glory in the presence of God the Father and we will begin to worship and glorify and seek God with all of our might. But it's true that all of those negative pursuits are endless as well. And you would know this in maybe some of the experiences you, that you've had. If you're, if you're seeking finance, you can get the goal, you can get that 10K and then you want to get 15 and then you want to get 20 and then you want to get 30 and it never ends. If it's power, if it's influence, whatever it might be. And here's what I would encourage you to make a shift from in your life is to move away from pursuits that erode at your joy that cause anxiety and worry and move to a pursuit that will refine you in the best way possible. Move away from going after things that deplete you and leave you with more anxiety and more worry and go on a pursuit after God which will define you. Move away from pursuing things and seeking after things that will empty your soul and move towards seeking God, which will fulfil your soul. Everybody seeks, and I want to ask you tonight, what is it that you are seeking? And more importantly, what are you seeking first? Because in five years, we'll be able to tell you what it was. And that's a sobering thought. Number two, everybody is (laughs) self-seeking. Everybody seeks, everybody is self-seeking. This is one of those hard-hitting biblical truths that is not nice to hear. And you know, the Bible doesn't always come to tickle our ears. It comes to rattle our, our pride. And this is one of those truths. And you might disagree with me, but it's somewhat reinforcing my point. It's like when someone gets up and says, everybody is proud. And you say, well, that's not true. Say, okay, well, what are you then? I'm humble. Not anymore, you're not. So it's like... <laughs> Everybody is self-seeking. And what do I mean by that? We are seeking after our own well-being and desires first. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. That's a nice rhyme. The, the, The passage of Scripture there is teaching us that all of us go about our own way seeking our own desires. In our flesh... You've got to understand in our default factory settings, we are in hot pursuit after temporal pleasure and comfort, often at cost to others. And in our own self-seeking pursuits, we can leave a trail behind us of people hurt in our wake. In seeking God's kingdom, here is the sacrifice we have to do. We have to sacrifice our kingdom. 
We have to say, God, I'm going to seek after your kingdom, your rule and reign, your leadership, the building of what you desire at cost to what I want, to the building up of myself, to the building up of, of my image. I am surrendering that to you. When we do that, something supernatural happens because that is not a desire that came from yourself. It comes from God. And we begin to seek after His kingdom and His righteousness. And when we, when we start seeking His righteousness, what the Bible teaches us that is, is living His way. And that is not possible without abandoning our way. And so here again, that idea of us being self-seeking, hearing something like abandon your way because it's not working, that rattles our pride. If that irritates you tonight, good, because that is the truth of the Word of God. We need to seek after God's way in our life because it is the only way that will lead us to a life the way God intended. Number three, everybody seeks. Everybody is self-seeking. And number three, everybody is sought after by God. Everybody seeks, everybody is self-seeking, but great news for us is that God is seeking you. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So good. Uh, Micah, our oldest son, he is nearly three. And there's been a couple of times where he's wanted to play hide and seek with me. And he's pretty good at the hiding part. And he often hides in the same place. And like any good dad, you go into the bedroom, you see a huge lump behind the curtain and you say, I wonder where Micah is. And he must be thinking, my dad is so stupid. But (laughs) what Micah's not so good at is the seeking. Because there's been a few times where me and him have been playing hide and seek and I said, okay, Bubba, I'm going to go hide and you come find me. He's like, okay. And he starts counting and he's, he's doing his counting. And I'm, I'm in a spot, like I'm behind the door in one of the rooms just waiting. And a good bit of time goes past. And I'm like, that's not that good of a spot. And then after a while, I'll stick my head out and he's doing something else. And there I am standing behind the door. No one's seeking me. I've been forgotten. You know, I think the devil sometimes comes to lie to us that God is not seeking us, that you're not wanted, that there's no pursuit after your life. But listen, that is a lie. The truth of the Word of God is that God is seeking after you. God desires relationship with you. God as our Creator lovingly desires relationship with His creation. And whether you are hiding or not, you need to know that God is on hot pursuit for your life because He loves you. And despite, this is the amazing news of the Bible, despite our self-seeking, despite us seeking perhaps everything but God, it does not stop God in His pursuit of us. God is not waiting for you to change your life before He enters in. He wants to enter in and change your life. He wants to enter in and change your heart. And He is in hot pursuit for a relationship with you. I just invite the worship team to come up and join me. You know, such an interesting part of that Scripture that we read in Matthew 6 is where it says, don't worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. And I don't know if you've ever been going to bed before, full of worry, maybe full of anxiety. Your mind's racing, your heart's pounding. There's so much on your mind. And you, you just think, I'm going to let tomorrow worry about itself instead. And you just go, all right, and then go to bed. That, this never happens. I wish that was that easy, that I could allow tomorrow to worry about itself. But it's a challenge. 
But within that scripture, there's a truth there that is, hey, we can plan for the future. We can learn from the past, but we've got to be present in today. What is God wanting for us today? What is God wanting us to do today? There's an emphasis in that passage about the present and about today. And what you'll find in the Bible is that this idea of today, now, moments is very profound. And I was thinking about the Scripture where it says that tomorrow is not promised. Tomorrow can worry about itself, but also tomorrow is not promised. And I don't know if there's any other procrastinators in the room, any procrastinators here today. You're waiting a few minutes before you put your hand up. That's all right. Are you ready for the best definition of procrastination ever? It's this. Procrastination says, I will get another chance to do tomorrow what God is giving me an opportunity for today. God will give me another chance tomorrow to do what He's asking me to do today. That's procrastination. But the Bible tells us that's not true because tomorrow is not promised. You don't know if you'll get another chance. You don't know what will happen in the next 24 hours. Nobody knows but God. But what I do know is this, is that God stirs us to respond in moments and respond today. And that's why that, that Scripture says that today is the day of salvation. And like that Scripture about, you know, don't worry about food and drink. It's like we could read that at any time in history, in any nation, and its relevance and truth would remain the same. And it's, it's true of that Scripture that says today is the day of salvation. What about tomorrow? Well, when we're in tomorrow and tomorrow is today, today will be the day of salvation. What about yesterday? When yesterday was today and it's not tomorrow and it's today, that day would be the day of salvation. Essentially what I'm saying is, is there is no better day to walk away from the worry, to walk away from the anxiety, to walk away from a road to hell and to enter into a relationship with God than today. The moment is now, the time is now. Do not be someone caught saying, I will wait until later in life to get my life right with God. Tomorrow is not promised. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. You don't know what will happen in the next 24 hours. You have an opportunity tonight to start to seek first from now. A life of seeking first God's kingdom and His righteousness for you can start now. Walking away from a life of worry and guilt and shame and blindness can end now if you would respond now. Tomorrow is not promised. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Be responsible for what God is giving you an opportunity for today. Don't think that you have an opportunity tomorrow for what God is giving you an opportunity for today. God in His grace, His love and His kindness has you here tonight to have an opportunity to start to seek Him first. As you seek Him first, everything in your life will change. Everything on this life will be graced and empowered and walked out with God and the next life will be assured to be in the Father's presence, free from the penalty of sin, the power of sin and even the presence of sin in heaven. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. 
God bless and have a great week.